Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor of California. Are you with her? Are you with him? Or are you, like Lot, just planning to flee California to the hills, lest you be swept away? Buckle up, buckaroos. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Buckle up, buckaroo. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from Tarawa1943, who says, wearing masks is like the old 50s duck and cover during the Cold War. You will survive a nuclear blast by getting under a wooden desk and eating saltine crackers. Yes, there seem to be a lot of similarities there. And again, I'm just saying this because I follow the science because of that peer-reviewed scientific study that we read from the NIH website on the show last week. So look me, I'm just following the science. Duck and cover. Lots to duck and cover about these days <laughs> if you look the way uh, politics is going. Notably in my former state of California. California is a, it's a golden state. That's where the gold rush happened. And if you want physical gold, I would strongly recommend you check out Acre. Acre lets you subscribe to gold bars for as little as $30 a month. You pay each month. Once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they will discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. Acre has a new $100 a month subscription to a five gram gold bar. Let's you invest in physical gold without coming out of pocket all at once. I know you think, ah, oh, it'd be good to invest in physical gold, but there's not enough change between the couch cushions to make it happen. This is a brilliant way to be able to do it. They've also got a brand new 24 karat gold, nine millimeter bullet among the, our nationwide ammo shortage. I would not recommend actually shooting this bullet unless you're aiming squarely at a werewolf. Michael, that's silver. You don't know. You've never shot a werewolf. Head on over to getacregold.com slash Michael. Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar to qualify for the giveaway. Tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com slash Michael. Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. I'm in, she says. He says. It's very, it's confusing, isn't it? Caitlin says, I'm in. California is worth fighting for. Visit CaitlinJenner.com to follow or donate today. Hashtag recall Newsom. So are we for Caitlin or are we not for Caitlin? This is an open question on the right right now. I don't, I think it's skewing in one direction, but it's not totally clear. There are prominent right wingers. I'm not just talking about squishes. I'm talking about prominent right wingers from the conservative wing of the conservative movement who think the Caitlin candidacy is a good idea. And there are many other prominent conservatives who say, I don't think so, buddy. This is a, a bridge too far. I think this is going to be a good litmus test for conservatives. Every so often litmus tests pop up. Trump in a way was a litmus test. And I think this is going to be another good one. There is a serious argument on both sides. There really is. I don't want a straw man. I don't want to dismiss this out of hand, no matter how funny it is. It would be really terrific if the first woman governor of California were a man. That would be really, gr- I would love that. <laughs> that would, I think that would give a lot of conservatives who are sick of the identity politics and the craziness of the left. I think that would be a terrific thing. However, if you're a man who thinks that you're a woman and who presents yourself as a woman, you are a seriously confused individual. It might not be a good idea to give you a ton of political power. On the one hand, we could own the libs. Oh man, how owned would the libs be? 
if the first transgender governor who says that he's a woman, but he's not, if he were a Republican, oh man, the libs would be extremely owned. However, we might be owning ourselves by doing that because we would be owning the libs by adopting their most radical and cherished premises. So it might be a little bit of a Pyrrhic victory. Yeah, we get to claim this kind of funny thing for a while in California and Caitlyn Jenner cuts taxes and gets tough on crime, but at the cost of what? At the cost of giving up the, the basic distinction in human nature doesn't seem like a great idea. And then there's the political consideration. There's the Buckley rule. The, the William F. Buckley Jr. rule for voting was and is, you vote for the most right viable candidate. So you vote for the most right-wing guy who can win an election. And in California, somehow that, I guess there's a case to be made that that's Caitlyn Jenner. However, the flip side of that is sometimes there's just got to be a line in the sand. And conservatives, we've moved that line back and back and back and back and back. But a former member of the Kardashian family who is now pretending to be a woman who that might just be a step too far. Ultimately, I don't want to just sit on the fence here. You know, I, I was on Tim Pool's podcast, uh, which we had such a great time on Friday night. You can go check that out. And Tim's critics, they call him, you're a fence sitter. And I think, I don't think that's really fair, but I don't want to be a fence sitter here. I think it's too far. I think the Caitlin thing is too far. Okay. I think we have too much to lose here. I don't like Newsom. I would like Newsom to lose. I think that Caitlyn Jenner actually probably has fairly conservative views on a, on a fair number of issues. Back when he was Bruce, he used to come around to conservative events in Hollywood a fair bit. It's just too far. If we win this election with Caitlyn Jenner and put Caitlyn Jenner into office, we are exalting, we are adopting as a party, as a conservative movement, transgenderism. We are going to descend into some pitiful sort of political rhetoric to say, you know, Democrats are the real transphobes. No, I don't, I don't think that we should accept the radical transgender ideology. It's not true. It's deeply harmful to society. And if we adopt this sort of thing in our candidate for governor of one of the largest states in the country, one of the largest economies in the world, if you were to break it off separately, that would seem to me to be a big problem. But we don't have to do that. This is not a binary choice. I, I, I am of the opinion that the vast majority of elections are binary choices. You remember in in 2016, you heard a lot of people, conservatives who hated Trump, they would say, actually, it's not a binary choice. We can vote for the Egg McMuffin. We can write. And I did not agree with that argument then. I thought, no, it's, it's Trump or Hillary. Make, you got to pick. Okay. No one, seriously, there's no other candidate, but in a recall election, it's not a binary choice. The way a recall election will work in California is there will be a ballot measure put up to the voters and they will say, should Newsom be removed? Right. They've already got the petitions. They've already been able to get past the threshold so that the recall is up for the question. Then you go and you vote and you say, should Newsom be recalled? Yes or no. Next question, who should replace him? Because if more voters say he should be recalled than say he shouldn't be recalled, then they'll move to the next one. Who should replace him? And that's a pretty wide open field. Caitlyn Jenner is, I guess, the most famous candidate up right now, but there is a Kevin Falconer, former mayor of San Diego. There's that guy Cox. He ran for something or other. There are other 
more serious, more mainstream Republicans than Caitlyn Jenner. And with all of these candidates who will be on the ballot, very likely the person who would win if Newsom does not survive the recall question uh, will not have 50% of the vote. So who's it going to be? I just, I, I, I know it's glitzy. It's funny. You want to own the libs. There's something fascinating and hilarious about a Caitlyn Jenner candidacy. There are other options, Republicans. There are other options. The language shows you the problem because I was, I was trying to keep an open mind about this. And I thought, okay, what if he's really good on all these questions? And sure, he's, he's bad on the transgender question, but he's, he's probably no worse on the transgender question than Gavin Newsom is. But in his very candidacy, you have the problem of the transgender question. Because how do we talk about him? I, I'm not going to call him her. I can't do it because he is not a woman. He, and so I'm not going to pretend that he is. And this isn't even a matter of personal politeness if you're given to that sort of thing where you say, well, you know, at a personal dinner party, maybe I'll refer to him as her. But it's beyond that. We're talking about a major public question here. And Republicans aren't going to agree. I've spoken to many of my Republican friends over the past few days since this news came out. Some will call him him. Some will call him her. <laughs> the, the left controls society by controlling language. This is the premise of my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Available now for pre-order while you can still get it. If we are not united in fighting this very subtle linguistic strategy, if we ourselves actually help to advance the confusion, that does not seem to be in our long-term interest. Joy Behar, that lady on The View, fell into this problem when, when she was announcing that Caitlyn Jenner is running for governor. She referred to him as him. Sonny, he's got this guy, Brad Pascal, uh, running his campaign. What do you think about that? I mean, that guy was, uh, was accused of using uh, campaign funds to enrich himself. What? That's who's running his yeah. campaign, or her campaign, rather. I, I would go along with that. I think that he should, uh, she, rather, should take a seat and let somebody with the credentials take over a major state like California. So I've never said this before, but Joy Behar, I think, is a good example of most of America. I, I don't think that Joy Behar did this intentionally. I don't think this was a subtle dig. I mean, you know, she kept correcting herself. She said, yeah, and I, I don't think he should. Do, I mean, she, I'm sorry. She, may, maybe it was a subtle dig at the transgender thing, but I think more likely Joy Behar, woman of a certain age, remembers Bruce Jenner. The guy's been famous for a very long time and he's the most famous athlete in the world. He's the first woman to win the decathlon, right? And we've all known him as he since he was on the Wheaties box. And over the last few years, he's pretending to be she, but for people who remember him, it's, you can't do that. It's very difficult to do that. So what does Joy Behar do? She apologizes. So first of all, let me apologize for my pronoun mix up. I, I think I just didn't get enough sleep last night. I had no intention of uh, mixing them up, but, and I tried to correct it immediately, but whatever, it just came out. So I'm sorry if anybody was upset by that. I can't believe, I can believe that she had to apologize. This apology didn't sound particularly sincere to me. She's like, I don't know, I mixed it up. Come on, give me a break. Come on. If you're offended, whatever, I'm sorry. I have heard conservatives, self, I don't question how conservative they are, but self-styled conservatives have referred to the misgendering of Caitlyn Jenner. Misgendering is a leftist term that, that refers to when you call a man a man. 
but if the man thinks he's a woman and you call him a man, that's called misgendering. Now, of course, the the more precise term would be gendering. <laughs> the, the only people misgendering Bruce Jenner or the people who are Caitlyn Jenner now are the ones who are re- referring to him as her. But even some self-styled right-wingers are adopting this language. Even some self, self-styled right-wingers are saying, no, really, come on, to be polite, we should refer to him as her. Quite the opposite, actually. Quite the opposite. It's disrespectful to refer to him as her. No, it's not. It's disrespectful to treat him like a complete lunatic and indulge his fantasies and say, oh yes, you really are a woman, sir, lady, whatever. No, the truth is respectful. It can be harsh sometimes and euphemisms try to sugarcoat harsh truths, but the truth is respectful and lies are very disrespectful. You don't lie to people that you respect. You certainly don't habitually lie to them as, as in the case of referring to Caitlyn Jenner as a, as a woman. This, this idea, very prominent on the left now, that, that lies are compassionate and the truth is cruel. That is a wicked, totally backwards idea. And if conservatives adopt that, we're lost. We are totally lost. And there, therein lies the real poison of the, of the Jenner candidacy. You're already seeing some conservatives adopt this language. You got to stop this before it gets too far. Regardless of how the California election turns out, Caitlyn Jenner is more the norm in this regime than the average conservative is. Yes. Oh, we think Caitlyn Jenner is a sideshow, a reality TV star, a famous athlete going back many decades, who's now making even more of a spectacle of himself. He is much more the norm. He is much more accepted by the dominant liberal regime then you deplorable people are. You deplorable, irredeemable, Bible-thumping, bitter-clinging middle Americans. You are considered the oddity. You are considered the bizarre, you should be part of the circus. Caitlyn Jenner, no, he's just a man following his true self because he's trapped inside the wrong body or whatever. This is the dominant ideology. It goes by the name LGBTQ, right? Now, even this, this initialism doesn't make any sense because the logic for the L and the G totally undermines the logic for the T. <laughs> the logic for the L and the G is I'm born this way. I have certain sexual desires. It, you can't change these sexual desires. It's, it's very wrong to shame people for their desires. And so, come on, you know, let the, when boys from a very early age or attracted to other boys, just come on, let them do it, right? Okay, I totally understand that logic. The logic of the T is actually, no, there's no such thing as innate sex. There's no, forget innate sexual desire. There's no such thing as innate sex. It, sex is totally socially constructed. There's really no difference between a man and a woman. And therefore, a, a man can be a woman very easily just by saying so. That logic undercuts the other logic. Now, There is a little bit of a connection here in that the gender ideologues took one of the claims of the the T took one of the claims of the L and the G and brought it to a radical conclusion. And that claim is that for the logic, for instance, of gay marriage, the claim here is that man plus man equals man plus woman, right? That's the equal sign that these are exactly the same thing. There's no distinction whatsoever. Sexual difference has nothing to do with marriage. So if you just do a little basic math here. If 
M plus M equals M plus W, then that means, you take out some of the M's here, you're kind of mixed around, that M equals W. It means that men and women are indistinguishable by the logic of redefining marriage. So then what the transgender ideologues do is they take that and they say, okay, well, if men and women are indistinguishable, then Bruce Jenner can become Caitlyn Jenner and he can, he can now become she and there's no, no problem here. It's, it's obviously very convoluted. It's a little bit complex, but this is the state ideology now. I mean, I mean that actually as a matter of state policy, the secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, has now given blanket approval for U.S. embassies and consulates around the world to fly the rainbow LGBT pride flag on the same poles as the American flag. I have long said that the rainbow flag is a symbol of American imperial hegemony. (laughs) It, It seems like it's this radical thing. What are you talking about radical? It is a symbol of the dominant liberal regime. It is as mainstream as it gets. Think about all the many flags we've had in our nation's history. We've got, uh, the Gadsden flag. Don't tread on me. Are you going to fly that on the same pole as, as the American flag at embassies around the world? No, you, you couldn't do that. You'd get in trouble for that. I bet. What about the appeal to heaven flag, the pine tree flag, Washington's flag? Would you fly that? No, that'd be, there'd be a big problem because of separation of church and state. And you're not allowed to make moral claims on the, on the flag. Oh, that'd be, that'd cause such an uproar, wouldn't it? But the LGBT rainbow flag, yes, that one flies, which in certain more conservative countries, particularly in the Muslim world, is a real finger in the eye. Doesn't matter. This has become a matter of liberal global imperial policy. So expect the mainstream, regardless of what happens in California, expect the mainstreaming of the T, at least from the regime, at least as long as the radical left wields political power because they spent many decades engaging in a war of position that gave them positions of power that they could then wield, even though the majority of Americans, I think, doesn't really go in for this stuff. I don't think the majority of Americans really believes that Caitlyn Jenner is a woman, but the people who are in power are willing to push that ideology and they're doing it very, very successfully. Speaking of flags and bad foreign policy, Joe Biden, along with several other world leaders, more than several, uh, took, took part in this global climate conference uh, last week. There was a screenshot going around of all these world leaders. You got Putin in the center. You got all these different guys from all around the world and you got Joe Biden off on the side. And Joe Biden is the only one in the screenshot wearing a mask. I think it's about 17 world leaders from this conference. They're all sitting in their rooms. They're on a Zoom call, practically. And there is Joe Biden wearing a mask. So embarrassing. So he doesn't give COVID to his computer. Or what the Biden defenders will say is, well, so he doesn't give COVID to the staff in the room. Joe Biden has been inoculated. Joe Biden has the vaccine. Joe Biden is, is not, everyone can have the vaccine at this point. Certainly all the people around Biden. So it's just for show. It's just a ridiculous, pathetic, weak show. But that's not even the worst part of this conference. What what nobody is really pointing out, very few people, is not that he's the only leader in the picture wearing the mask. He's the only world leader in the picture without his own country's flag behind him. That's the crazy thing. Every other leader has their political flag behind them but not Joe Biden because we as a country hate ourselves now. <laughs> and we, we protest the flag. It is now mainstream on the left 
to protest the American flag, whether it's on a football field, whether it's elected politicians in solidarity with those radical, stupid athletes like Colin Kaepernick. We don't like that, whether it's on Nike shoes. The Betsy Ross flag is not allowed on shoes anymore. The, the American flag has now become a partisan symbol. Used to be that everyone waved the flag. Everyone was, we, we disagree on where the country's going, but we all love the country. That's over. The left doesn't love the country. Barack Obama famously said he wants to fundamentally transform it. So he was at least honest about it. And now they rarely even wave the flag. What you're really seeing, I think, when you see the American flag and, and the LGBT flag on the same pole is even less a question of sex and more a question of nationhood versus universal claims. The American flag is a defense of the nation proper. The LGBT flag is a defense of universal, borderless ideology floating in the sky. It's just about who we are as people and our desires. It can apply to anyone at any time. The American flag is the flag of a nation. The LGBT flag is an imperial flag making claims about everyone all over the world. That, I think, is the real distinction here. And so it, Biden didn't have the LGBT flag behind him. That would have, that would have been even, even funnier. But, like, but also, he would not have the American flag behind him either because the left in this country is very uncomfortable making any sort of national claims. They want to get rid of our borders. They want to get rid of a foreign policy that prioritizes our own citizens' interests. They want to administer this liberal, imperial world government. All of this putatively about climate change, but climate change is, of course, there was global cooling, then it was global warming, then there was a pause, and now it's climate change, and that's the climate crisis. They change the words, but there's always the same answer, which is give away more and more of our political powers, we the people, but then give away even our national power to international and supranational institutions that are going to govern not just us, but kind of govern everybody. This propaganda is being pushed, not just at the political, geopolitical level. It's being pushed on Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon dedicated a show to describing why it's so important to take care of the environment because not just of the trees and the birds and the fish, but because of environmental racism. Black snow, the thick soot that pollutes Pahokee, Florida. There's Cancer Alley, which is an area along the Mississippi River in Louisiana that's lined with oil refineries and air so toxic in New York South Bronx that 20% of children have asthma. What do these cities have in common? They're all examples of environmental racism, a form of systemic racism, where minority and low-income communities are surrounded by health hazards because they live near sewage, mines, landfills, power stations, major roads. In Philadelphia, it's hazardous waste. In San Carlos, Arizona, it's a mining project that would dishonor an Apache sacred site. But it has never been more devastating and harmful than in Duplin, North Carolina, where, believe it or not, the number of hogs outnumber the number of residents. My name is Fiana. I grew up in Duplin County, North Carolina. Fiana moved away from Duplin County as soon as she could, which is why she's okay opening up about life there. Okay, hold on. Did you see the issue? All, all of their claims they're building up to, which is they're really dubious claims that... In, in poor areas, you're seeing different demographic groups who are disproportionately poor. Uh, those areas are not as nice as rich areas. Okay. Yep. Makes it not exactly groundbreaking stuff. And this constitutes environmental racism. Um, I'm not totally buying into that. And it's, it's all about race and the races are stuck there. And then the woman says, yeah, I moved away as soon as I could. 
ah, wait, right, you can just move away. You can just leave. You can go somewhere else. I'm not saying it's easy to go somewhere else, but you can. Okay, you're not, you're not locked down. You're not chained there. The reason they have to talk about environmental racism, though, is because we've lost our moral discourse. We can't, we can't talk about the objective moral order. We can't really talk about good and evil and right and wrong because the left has undermined belief in those things. So the, the, only, the only way we can talk about evil now is by calling it racism. Racism is the ultimate expression of evil. Uh, even when it has nothing to do with race, like you're talking about the environment and areas that have more pollution than other areas, but you have to call it racism in order to, and, and that's also because we've lost our, our ability to have metaphysical discourse. So we've only got to talk about physical things. So the, the evil things have to do with just, they have to only go skin deep. Uh, total nonsense trying to get at a, a bizarre perversion of what all of politics ultimately comes down to, which is, yes, yeah, some things are good, some things are bad, some things are right, some things are wrong. But we're not, we're not allowed to say that anymore because we, we've embraced this radical subjectivism of the left which is, by the way, much the subject of my upcoming book, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which, which you can pre-order right now. There's a special way to pre-order it. You can text speechless to 53445. That's right. 53445. You can pre-order a signed copy and enter to win a Zoom call with me. That's like listening to my podcast, but live. And then we can, we'll be able to chat on Zoom. Uh, text speechless to 53445. You know, I was on I was on Tim Pool's podcast. I mentioned that earlier. And one of the funniest things we did was we took super chats, those questions from the audience. And many, many of you <laughs> wrote in and actually had to you know, pay a couple bucks to do it to, uh, to plug my book. Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. And, and we wondered, is this because of a sort of Pavlovian reaction with the bell going off? And then, But it was really amazing. We really appreciate it because the book has been doing really well in pre-sales. It's, uh, you know, the book doesn't come out for something like two months and it, it was already floating around, I don't know, number 3,000, uh, 2,000 on all of Amazon, of all books, even books that are out and have been out for a long time. And by the time we got to the end of Tim Pool's show, I think it was around number 400 on all of Amazon. It's unheard of. It isn't coming out for a long time. So anyway, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I will look forward to Zooming with you for anyone who texts speechless to 53445. Also, we've got another high energy episode of Candace coming at you this Friday. This week, Candace hosts political commentator and interviewer Dave Rubin, where they will have a lot to discuss, including the recall election of Gavin Newsom, his new opponent, Caitlyn Jenner. You can subscribe now. Stream Candace live on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, only on Daily Wire. And get 25% off a new membership with code Candace at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Head on over to Daily Wire. We'll be right back with a lot more. The creepy environmental ideology was distressing to watch Joe Biden is the only guy on screen, the only world leader wearing the, the mask in a room for a Zoom call. That's sad. Everything has to go through the environment. Watching the creepy Nickelodeon cartoons talking about environmental racism. It's this new religion. It's a religion where we worship Mother Earth. And it's a, a really inverted religion because we're no, we're no longer worshiping the creator, we're worshiping the creation. The libs who are pushing this are probably not even totally aware of that, but that is the effect of what they're doing. But somehow it gets worse. Somehow our, our scientistic religion gets even more depressing because 
This, the religion needs a high priest. Who's the high priest? Dr. Fauci, of course. The New York Times posted a video, fairly highly produced video, for the Fauci Awards. They had a presenter, you know, pretty good background. These are awards to public health officials given around the same time as the Oscars, which nobody also watched. From New York, it's the Fauci Awards 2020. Good evening and welcome to the Fauci's. We're following social distance rules, of course, so no audience tonight. But we won't let that stop us from celebrating our extraordinary public health officials. They're the doctors and scientists who keep our water clean, our restaurants safe. They stop outbreaks of disease and even keep mosquitoes from taking over. And in 2020, they're our frontline defense against COVID-19. So what better year than this to celebrate their life-saving public service by giving out some of these? Okay, this isn't real. There's no glitzy ceremony for any of these people. There never was. Instead, they're getting a lot of this. This mask mandate is ridiculous. He doesn't know what he's talking about. We'd better show them some recognition and fast. So you know what? We're gonna do this thing. From New York, it's the Fauci Awards 2020. So I I actually will get into one little segment that they go into, but first I have to point out that I do not know what is more embarrassing. The fact that the libs have now made an actual golden idol of Dr. Fauci, a full on bottom of Mount Sinai, Bacchanalian, <laughs> a loss of faith and apostasy to, to Dr. Fauci, or how few retweets this video got. By the time I found, actually sweet little Elisa found this video. By the time I looked at it, it had 13 retweets and it had been up for 24 hours. They spent a fair bit of money making that video, and then they posted it, and they're so out of touch with the American people that they don't realize how crazy that is. My making fun of that video amassed more retweets within like 20 minutes than their, their video actually did for the, the whole past day. But then, then the New York Times did not just leave it there and make this little snide point of, mm, we, don't even, we don't even recognize our healthcare workers. We spent the past year worshiping at the altar of these eggheads who generally got things wrong and certainly violated our constitutional rights and upended our American way of life. We've been worshiping them nonstop for a year, but oh, we don't give them any credit. Oh, Dr. Fauci, you don't, it's so sad. But then they actually give out the awards. Dr. Mark Wallace is everything you want in a public health official. 25 years of experience in Weld County, Colorado, and a great communicator. In April, with cases skyrocketing at a meatpacking plant, he pressured the company to close the factory. All this while facing pressure from politicians to reopen the county. This rural community is lucky to have Dr. Wallace's leadership. This is so creepy. This is the creepiest thing. It goes on for six minutes. But do you hear what the Times is saying? Beneath all this weird passive aggressive, sort of, they're trying to make a joke stuff. What they're saying is this egghead who had been appointed, but was basically unaccountable to the people. It's not like he's elected. It's not, it's not as though he's part of the ordinary run of constitutional government. He fought valiantly to take away the rights of the people in his county even when the people in that county did not want to give it up, even when the politicians 
that is the elected representatives of the people, wanted him to stop his draconian measures. He valiantly fought on to undermine our American way of life, take away our rights, and lock people in their homes. Wow, how brave. This guy totally deserves an award. That is what they're saying. It's no surprise that the the video got very few retweets and very few views. It's because the, the premise of the video is that the people are bad, except for a handful of special people who are the high priests of secular progressivism, who, because of how evil and stupid the people are, these eggheads need to be protected from democratic accountability and they need to be allowed to totally undermine our way of life in our government. And the ones who succeeded at doing that deserve special awards. And furthermore, the applause of the people who they are set up explicitly in this video as existing to antagonize. That's, that's what they think. That's what they believe. When you hear about the deplorables and the irredeemables and the bitter clingers, that's what they're saying. People rotten. Therefore, our constitutional government has to be rotten because it derives its power from the people. Therefore, it has to be upended and we need to create a new special secret government. And you can call it the deep state. You can call it the administrative state. You can call it progressive technocracy, whatever. That You, you need a government of Fauci's to take over for these rube idiot people. Have we exhausted our <laughs> constitutional system of government? It seems like we've reached a stage of decadence where the people really can't fight back and where the best that the, the ostensibly conservative party can muster is a man who thinks that he's a woman, whose, whose greatest claim on being able to govern is that he was on television with the Kardashian family. This is not good. The left plays for keeps. They play to win. They've done a good job amassing power. What do we do? We, we criticize it a little bit. We usually, most of the time, we don't even really know what we're criticizing. And then on the rare occasion we get political power, we, we refuse to wield it. We refuse to exercise it. That is not a serious country. There, there are very few people left in public life who I think represent that old idea of what it means to be an American, what it, forget American, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a person living in civilization with the desires and the attitude that helped us get to where we are right now. One of those guys, one of those guys who gives me hope is Elon Musk. Elon Musk, who wants to build a bunch of crazy cars and wants to send people to Mars and wants to, uh, half the time, I don't know if the guy's a monorail salesman, like in the Simpsons, you know, if he's like totally full of it or if he can actually bring the goods. And it it actually seems like he delivers a lot of the time. Elon Musk was just asking about this trip to Mars, or rather he was asked by an interviewer about this trip to Mars. And it seems like there's some logistical issues right now, right? We can't, I mean, we can't even build a, a, a railway in California anymore. We were going to have a super rail connecting all the parts of California. Now it ends up being this tiny little railway between two towns that nobody even goes to. We can't do it because it's too hard. It's cost too much. It's too dangerous. It's too this, it's too that. So Elon is asking, okay, how are you supposed to get to Mars? And he says, oh, well, it's going to be extremely dangerous and unpleasant and a bunch of people are going to die. Going to Mars reads like that ad for, for, for Shackleton going to the Antarctic. You know, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, it's uncomfortable. Um, it's a long journey. You might not, you know, come back alive, um, but it's a glorious adventure and uh, it'll be amazing 
an, an amazing experience. And your name will go in history. Yes, you might not. <laughs> it's going to be uncomfortable. And we probably won't have good food and all these things, you know. <laughs> so so yeah. if, 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 if an arduous and dangerous journey where you may not come back alive, um, but it's a glorious adventure, sounds appealing, and Mars is still, the place. And you that's still have that's the thousands of, of volunteers, if not millions of volunteers, who would yeah. want to go. I, I mean, honestly, a bunch of people probably will die in the beginning. It's yeah. It's tough sledding over there. You We're know? an exploring um, species. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not forever. We don't want to make anyone go. So it's, like, <laughs> it's volunteers only. He's totally right. He's getting a bunch of negative headlines right now. He's saying, Elon Musk is laughing about people dying in exploration. A lot of people are going to die when we try to colonize Mars, if, if we ever do that. That's just what happens. <laughs> when the Mayflower landed in New England, and this was well into the age of exploration. It's not as though they were the first guys to check out America. When they landed in New England, half of them died within the winter, right? This is what happens when you go to foreign places and you explore. It's arduous, it's tough, and you're going to die. And what Elon is showing us right now is that there is a way of living that is very different than the way that we're living in now. Right now, it seems that most people are living to craft a perfectly pleasant and ultimately meaningless existence. That is what connects all of these various things. The complaints about grievance, the demands for more money from the government, the, the demands to be coddled by big technology, the, the demands that we pretend that Caitlyn Jenner is a woman and that we indulge everybody in their fantasies. What this is about is saying, look, there's no real meaning in the world. There's no objective truth. There's no, there's no objective anything that we ought to do. We just want to feel good in this very elementary way, in this very childish way. We just kind of want to feel good. And so whatever's going to make us feel good, that's what we should do. Very often this is described as the moral maxim of our era. If it feels good, do it. And you see it across all sorts of policy. That idea, that decadent and hedonistic idea is not what built the West. It's what is destroying the West, but it's not what built the West. The idea that built the West is that there are is objective truth. There is objective reality. There are unexplored lands. We want to know things. In order to know things, you need to acknowledge that there's an objective reality that, that you can know about and that there is more to life than feeling really pleasant all the time. There is more to life than just extending your life. So much, the whole public discourse of the past year is about how we can avoid getting a cough. It's, a, it's about ultimately how we can avoid death. Even if you're very, very old, even if you're very, very sick, how you can avoid, because death is unacceptable, how we can pretend that we're never going to die. We didn't used to live just to avoid death. We used to accept that we're all going to die and we're going to die soon. <laughs> and I'm not, not saying tomorrow necessarily, though you might, but I don't know, you're going to, let's say you die in 30 years, 40 years. Let's say you die in 70 years. It's not that much time. So if you're, if you're going to live just to not die, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to lose that battle. You're going to have a tragic ending. If you're going to live for something else, if you think that there's more to life than just breathing, then you could have a great glorious adventure, like Elon Musk is saying. Or you could deny all of the hard facts about the world. You could deny that you're going to die. You could deny that you're a man because you, you want to be something else. Do we want to live in reality or do we want to live in delusion? 
Do we want to do something with this life that we've been given? Or do we just want to make ourselves feel good every so often? Which by the way, you're not, that doesn't last forever. It's like, it's like doing a drug. You might feel good briefly, but you're going to have a hangover. You're going to have the withdrawal. You're going to have the addiction. If, what's the line from C.S. Lewis? I mentioned this on Tim Pool's podcast. If you look for truth, you might find comfort in the end. But if you look for comfort, you'll find neither truth nor comfort. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin. And in the end, despair. So don't despair. Look for something else. There is a little bit of pushback on this crazy lockdown regime that we're still seeing all around us. We're now on the 700 millionth day of 15 days to slow the spread, right? And it's supposed to go on longer and longer and longer and longer. We're now being told we need vaccine passports, even if you're young, even if you're healthy. Some people are pushing back, believe it or not, in the United Kingdom. Thousands of protesters Saturday marched through London to express their frustration with the COVID-19 restrictions, including the vaccine passports. They gathered for a Unite for Freedom protest centered around demanding a ban on the passports. The limeys are really showing us up. They are. I thought Americans were supposed to do this sort of thing, but we've lost that. You know, we were talking the past, last week about the Anglo-Saxon political tradition and the people on the left were calling that racist or some, something stupid. And they're saying, there is no Anglo-Saxon political tradition. Uh, that, that is the Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> you, you watched it in real time on Saturday. The Anglo-Saxon political tradition is not tolerating the sort of outrageous, incomprehensible, incoherent tyranny that you're seeing around the vaccine issue and the Wu flu. Americans could perhaps learn a thing or two from the motherland on this point. What happened? Are we really going to roll over on this? Are we? We're just going to, the minute they tell you, well, you can't go into this bar unless you have a, your vaccine passport. I don't know. It's going to be really tricky. I mean, if they tell you that you, <laughs> if, if they're able to get this through, then they're going to be able to pressure a lot of people to do it. But if we push back really hard right now and say, no, absolutely not. Maybe you have a chance to, to hold up. I mean, we are the global hegemon, right? We are the world power. If Joe Biden came out today and said, hey, we're not doing vaccine passports. Foreign countries, you want, you want to demand a vaccine passport? You're not going to get American tourists. You're not going to get American business. Hey, if at the state level, the states say we're not doing vaccine passports like Ron DeSantis has been doing, you'll see that build. You know, courage is a prerequisite for all of the other virtues. And virtue is a habit. Need need to do that. We need to get it. I don't think we should be violent. I don't think we should be, do anything immoral. I'm no Maxine Waters, but I do think we need to speak up. The only time that Americans are allowed to get out in the streets these days, of course, is when a leftist politician incites riots. Then COVID is suspended. It actually helps to stop the spread of COVID. If you get out and you burn down buildings and you steal Nike sneakers, it's not just Maxine Waters calling for this stuff. It's Kamala Harris. It's race-baiting, cynical Kamala Harris, who actually what she did is worse than what Maxine Waters did. Maxine Waters does not have a whole lot going on between her ears, okay? I don't think there's a ton of brain cells rubbing together in that old noggin of hers. So she's very clumsy with the way that she calls for violence. She says, get on them, get in the Republicans' faces, go to their house. Okay, very clumsy. What Kamala does is subtler but it's more radical. She bails the rioters out of jail. That's what she did last year in Minnesota. She says, you got to stay in the streets. Always gives herself a little plausible deniability. 
Now she's keeping it up on the Derek Chauvin trial. They, the jury implausibly sends this man to prison for murder. Seems implausible to me. Does Kamala say, okay, good. We got our revenge. That's good. No, she says, not enough. Nine minutes and 29 seconds, right? We all watched that video. Many of us watched it multiple times. And um, people are in pain over what we all saw in that video. And um, in fact, it was in large part because of that case that together with my then colleagues, Cory Booker in particular, and then on the House side, Karen Bass, that we wrote the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. There is no question that we've got to put an end to these moments where the public questions whether there's going to be accountability, questions whether there's going to be the kind of fairness that, that we should all expect and deserve um, in all of our lives, and in particular as it relates to people of color with a particular emphasis on black and brown men in the criminal justice system as it relates to policing. This verdict is but a piece of it. And it will not heal the pain that existed for generations, that has existed for generations. It will not heal, as she goes on and on and on. People should not have to question their faith in the justice system. They're questioning it because dishonest people like you are spreading lies about it. That's why they're questioning it. Because their leaders in the major political party in the dominant regime are undermining faith in that system so that you can revolutionize that system. That's why they're doing it. And we know it and you know it and you know that we know it. But it doesn't matter because you got the power lady. That's, and that's, that's what really matters. She's got the power and she's willing to exercise it. She is keeping this alive. She's taking what is a total, what she previously, or what other politicians of her party previously said, was the total victory, the conviction on all counts of Derek Chauvin. This was supposed to be the proof that the justice system does still work. And she says, no, but it doesn't. Still doesn't. Not good enough. Never good enough. Sorry. Got to stay in the streets. Got to keep bailing those rioters out of prison. Got to keep giving us the, the pretext, the crisis, the pretext to upend the whole system. I will have to give credit where credit's due. Tweedledee and Tweedledum over there on CNN, Don Lemon and, and Chris Cuomo. Came, they came out, they actually defended that cop who, who shot Makia Bryant as she was inches away from stabbing that other girl. And they caught some flack for that. They went back on TV and doubled down. And also what happened with the, the shootings, what's going on with that? That's really important that we discuss. And I think we had a very important uh, and illuminating conversation last night that the whole country uh, is having. And I think we should continue to have those conversations because uh, it is what resonates with the American people and it's what people want to see change. And they also want to know how, quite frankly, how to feel about it and what, and what can be done about it and what their fellow Americans are saying and thinking about it. And I still stand by that we cannot treat all police shootings with the, in the same way. They're, You're they're absolutely not, right. We they're, can't do they're that. They're 100% not equal. And the, I, the poor mom that you had on, I feel for her. But not every police shooting is the same. And we have to look at the evidence and what we know. Imagine if the woman in the pink was your loved one and the officer didn't do what he did. 
you could be mourning the death of that woman, that young lady in the pink. A little bit of honesty. I want to give credit where credit's due. A little bit of honesty, a little glimmer of hope that all is not completely lost in this political system. But I think probably you had better buckle up, buckaroos, because this is going to be a very, very bumpy ride if we're going to try to salvage it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Many Republicans rejoice as Caitlyn Jenner runs for governor. The family of Micaiah Bryant calls for police reform. A Democrat representative admits to emotionally abusing her daughter. And a new study reveals that the six-foot social distancing guideline is totally arbitrary and baseless and useless. All of that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.